intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecture. Hey there, friends. It has been a fun day architecting. I started doing this incredible interview with Mark Hirschberg, who you will get to hear from next week when it airs. And you are going to love what he has to say about negotiations and ethics and how the two are connected to one another. Next, I moved on to my clubhouse room, which in case you did not have this on your calendar, 2 p.m. Sundays is Critical Conversations Day. This week's theme was how to have the hard talks. And wow, we had such a great group in there. And we really talked about a lot of things that are coming up for people as they deal with problems with their boss, issues with clients, or issues with direct reports. I thought, what a great theme to do tonight as I record the podcast, to really think about what it takes to have those hard talks, because we all know when we need to have them, and we all avoid them like the plague. We awkwardly try to dance around the issues or to tell ourselves the situation really isn't that bad or it'll work itself out. We don't need to address it head on, do we? Yes. Yes, you do. Believe me, this is not anything I love doing, but I have learned some really, really, really good tips over the years in a way to do this that does not feel awkward or confrontational. Step one is to emotionally unhook yourself. If you're sensing there's a problem, you probably have some residual feelings of anger or guilt around it. And so let's unpack that because anger, surprisingly, is actually just another form of fear. When someone makes you angry, think about the things they're doing and why. Did you feel they didn't respect you? Did you feel that they didn't treat you fairly? And then think about why that's a problem for you. Usually feeling unrespected, which is a really common one, especially for women, comes from a fear of not being good enough or imposter syndrome, where you feel like the emperor has no clothes and you're positioning yourself, but you can't really follow through when it comes down to it. And one day somebody's going to discover that. And the minute someone doesn't respect you, it just triggers all of those deep-seated fears. So the anger that you're feeling at not being respected is really related to fear about your own issues. 
which is not really the problem here. So step one is to recognize that your emotions are about you, not the other person. Therefore, you are never going to have a productive conversation in this heightened emotional state. A coach I work with talks a lot about the parts of our brain. And of course, we know the most basic part of our brain, the seat of the fight or flight response is the amygdala. When we are triggered and our emotions just spike, that is our amygdala hijacking our brain. Now think about what is involved in problem solving. Logic, being able to break something down step by step into components creativity about how those components could work together differently. That part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, shuts off when the amygdala really kicks into high gear. So when you feel emotionally triggered, you want to respond emotionally, and it doesn't allow you to be in problem-solving mode. Recognize the ways you're making it about you to unhook emotionally in order to have the hard conversation. Step two, after you have calmed your bad self down, is to think about being curious. And again, that problem solving, that curiosity has to happen in the prefrontal cortex, in the higher level of the brain. Don't create a story around this, right? That's what we do. We say, Jack said that he didn't like my idea and the attitude he had showed he has no respect for me and nobody at this company appreciates what I do and I am going to leave because I've not gotten a promotion in the last three years and in the meantime that jackass, he managed to get one and he is not as good as me and yet he berates me, he's just jealous. You can see where you are, right? When you're in that state, you have made up a whole story about Jack and what he did and what his motivations were behind it. Do you even know if any of that is true? You don't. So get out of the story. Stop spinning yarn. Now we move on to step three. You've done the work on yourself. You're ready to talk to the other person. Now, the way to talk to the other person is not to confront them because just like all of us would if we were confronted, what gets triggered? Anger. And what is anger really about? Fear. Is that going to put someone in a problem-solving state of mind? Hell no. You've got emotion versus emotion and nothing gets any better. Instead, what I recommend for step three, your meeting is finding common ground. You can say to the person, during this meeting, while I was explaining something, you jumped in. And while I really appreciated what you had to add, the fact that you didn't wait until I finished speaking communicated to the client that what I had to say wasn't that important. And I know that you and I both have the common goal of making this project the best it can be and as innovative as possible. And to do that, we really need to help surface ideas from our client together. Let's talk about techniques that we can use to do that better. Now, you can see how that's a lot different than saying, you interrupted me and it made me feel bad. 
Who wants to confront somebody and say something like that? Good luck not being in an emotional state using language like that. This is where a lot of relationship coaching gets it wrong. They teach you to use language of when you do X, it makes me feel Y. When you use that kind of language, you're making it about emotions, not about fixing things. And when we want to have hard conversations at work, they always have to be about a solution, not lingering in the problem. Now we have framed the situation around common goals. And the next thing that you need to do is to ask the person what their thoughts are. And what is really compelling about this when you're having hard conversations, especially if the person you're having it with is a difficult person, is the kind of person who blusters or has a big ego, when you ask them to provide the solution, number one, you are making them feel valuable and heard, which we all want and is usually the fear behind the bluster and the ego. You've now made them feel safe and like their thoughts matter. And you've also directed them to a solution and to taking ownership in the solution. As you have this conversation, it's not from the point of view of who did what to who or who is right and who is wrong. Instead, it's from the point of view of how can we better achieve something we both want and see as valuable? And how does one plus one equal more than two? Which it never can when you're working in silos. To recap, four parts to having hard conversations. Number one, unhook emotionally. Number two, get out of your story. Stop it. Do not speculate. Do not run if-then scenarios. Number three, find common goals that you can unite around. And number four, ask questions. Whatever they have to say, ask them why. If they say something that doesn't work and makes no sense, say things like, have you thought about what would happen if? It's exactly what was in your head, right? That will never work because it's a code violation. You don't say that will never work. You say, have you thought about what the code would interpret that as doing? Now you're not shaming anyone. You're not making them wrong. You're not shutting down their idea. You're asking a question. After you've done all of that, you're going to come up with a plan. And you're both going to contribute to that plan so that you both have a stake in the outcome and buy-in that what you're doing is actually going to achieve what you want. Now comes the last part of the hard conversation and the part that most people forget about. We're so relieved to walk away from that situation. We felt so much anxiety, so much tension. We're done. Whew, we made it. You're not done. What you need to do is to follow up because words are words. They don't mean anything unless there's action behind them. If you agreed that you were going to work together on how to present and practice techniques for facilitating things with the client, schedule a practice session. 
If you agreed that you were going to work on certain slides for the presentation or exercises to do and they were going to do others, schedule a meeting where you show each other your work and critique it. Get that stuff taken care of before the next meeting. Then, after the meeting, schedule a post-meeting review. Take some time to say, okay, we tried a different strategy. What do you think worked really well? What do you think didn't work? What can we do to improve this even more? So you can get past a performance issue. You can get past what feels like a lack of respect or bad behavior by working together. One last thing I want to touch on, however, is gaslighting and toxic people. You might find what feels like a good conversation quickly deteriorates. And they're right back to blaming. They're right back to making you think you're the one who's crazy. They're right back to walking away from accountability or sabotage. In that case, I don't want you to keep pushing your head against a wall or blaming yourself. Manipulative behavior is never okay. If you can emotionally unhook yourself, get out of your story, you will be in a much better place to see whether what is going on is true manipulation or someone acting out of their own fears and insecurity. Your big tip-off is going to be how willing the person is to change and be accountable versus trying to convince you that what you're perceiving is not going on. Now, if you've got a manipulator, you're not going much luck changing that behavior. But because you use the techniques that I outlined earlier, you will have a documented way to show how their behavior is negatively impacting the whole project and undermining the company, which is a much better place to be if you have to have that hard conversation that someone isn't aligned with the company and should really seek a different opportunity. If you found these tips helpful, please hop on over to Instagram, share your comments. I would love to hear any follow-up questions you have as well so that we can all stop avoiding the hard conversations and feel a lot better about being leaders. Do you like mail? Because I would love to come and have a party in your inbox. Once a week, I write a super inspirational note to all my subscribers that focuses on some of the themes that we are exploring in that week's podcasts. So if you are enjoying listening to these episodes, want to dive a little deeper, plus get firsty knowledge of special opportunities and offers, trot on over to architectingpodcast.com and sign yourself up. You're going to start looking forward to Wednesdays in a way you never have before. Stay inspired.